the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hey, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. 303-873-1935. That's the number if you want to join me on the program. 303-873-1935. And you'll remember, well, maybe you will remember if you listen to this program very often. I was talking a little bit last week about digital evangelism. I was talking about online evangelism. And of course, you know, people were asking, well, is digital evangelism or online evangelism a replacement for in-person evangelism? And the the answer is, of course not. Of course, you need to be able to talk about Jesus in the very real world in which you live on a day today basis. But it's a different question to ask if whether or not um, digital evangelism is effective. And I I will talk about that, hopefully, in the not too distant future. But again, if you'd like to join me on the program, um, by all means, pick up the phone, dial the number 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Glenn, welcome to the program. Hey, Gino, this is Glenn, and I'm calling in regards to before the break you were discussing nuclear war. Well, yeah, yeah, and, and Oppenheimer yeah. and Nolan's statement that he thinks that that uh, Nolan is the most important person who's ever lived. I would disagree with that, but... So would I. Um, and you... You recommended to me uh, use Christian books. Yeah, Christian used books. Yeah. Christian used books. I bought a book there about a year and a half ago called Secrets of the Lost Race, where it is ta- which is talking about the, the antediluvian generations, the 10 generations from Adam to Noah, and how advanced they were as far as technology. In the book, he cites many... Well, I'll say a handful of sources that, um, including this Mr. Oppenheimer, who says we've done this before. And then in the book, he goes on to cite two or three sources from Sanskrit to Babylonian. Uh, I think one's even Egyptian that claim that makes the claim. And I and I I tend to believe it that nuclear weapons were used a long time ago. You know, I. Yeah, there's a book called Forbidden Archaeology that sort of talks about that as well. And I know that our friends at the Ancient Aliens site and people who um, promote Hinduism have suggested uh-huh. the same thing um, because of the pres- of radiation signatures that are what they would call anomalous radiation signatures that that they don't have a good um what's the word they don't have a good explanation for right 
Right. But anyway, I just wanted to bring that up. I, I, there's the author of the book has written a few other books and one of them is. What's the author's name? uh, Renee Norborg. R-E-N-E is his first name, Noor Borgen, N-O-O-R-B-E-R-G-E-N, something like that. Um, but if you Google Secrets of the Lost Race, Races, you'll, you'll get it. his name. Yeah, and it. you found it at Christian Used Books. I did. Uh-huh. So it took you down a rabbit hole. <laughs> it did. <laughs> but anyway, I just wanted to share that with you because I, it, it's, if nothing else, I'm intrigued by the idea. And, uh, well, you know, Shakespeare wrote, there are stranger things in heaven and earth that are dreamed of, Horatio. So I, I have come to a place in my life where I'm more and more comfortable with not knowing everything. <laughs> or I'm having out I know less. <laughs> right. And I, I'm, I'm not familiar with this author or that book. Um, but uh-huh. I am, in principle, familiar with some of the things that are brought up f- from other uh, authors who have written about this. I think even Michael Heiser addresses some of these issues, you know, whether you're talking about, um, the, you know, evidence for a computer, evidence for x-rays, evidence for vacuum tubes uh-huh. in Egypt. Um uh-huh. And, and and again, I have a friend who uh, has a graduate degree in Akkadian languages and Chaldean and all of that other stuff. And then another guy who's a Ph.D. in archaeology. And they, they've they've sort of pushed back against some of this stuff and and said that uh, we we need to also be thinking about what's been written in its context in the, in the cultural context. But to yeah. your to your earlier point, um, what evidence do we have for an antediluvian race that was far more advanced than in? I shouldn't say any of us because uh, apparently some people have at least speculated on the possibility of just how advanced they became. Um, but it, it begs a question. Okay, the big question is if they were if they had nuclear capability then why does Noah build an ark that isn't like a nuclear submarine or something like that? According well, the, according to his timeline, this did not, which I, I struggle with this point. He claims that this happened about 1,000 to 1,500 years after the flood. Um, I can't think of a time if God was mad enough because of man's heart was that wicked that he says, hey, I'm we're going to reboot this whole thing. Right. I'm going to end it all and get rid of everybody. And we're going to start fresh. If it was that bad for him to do that, I can't imagine that nuclear weapons, this, this, this is the point I have a problem with is that nuclear weapons happened after the flood. So according to the sources, he cites it did. So anyway, no, 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 no. All of that is very, very interesting. But again, yeah, I'm trying to <laughs> envision a world that's more wicked than the one we're living in right at this very moment. And <laughs> sure. and, and uh I it it's not hard it, because I I do have a little bit of understanding of the pre-pagan world and and uh-huh. Rome and Greece 
and uh, the, the the incredible wickedness um, that was ex- exercised even in a post-flood world as, you know, civilizations rise and fall. Um, mm-hmm. Other people have pointed out that we live right now, we're swimming in Christian waters. So earlier I was talking about how people have pointed out, people like Os Guinness, that if civilization is like a flower and the roots are like, um, you know, Christian, then when you clip the flower, it's, the, the beauty is retained for a while, but it fade, it will wilt, it will die because it's cut off from the roots. We are actually the benefits, the recipients of a biblical worldview, at least in Western civilization to a certain extent, but that's fast disappearing. I'm, but I, I'm wondering if we, it, if we return to pre-pagan times or if the future <laughs> world will look a little bit more like, you know, the AI apocalyptic kind of a world. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I have no idea. I just, I, but I agree with you. It's pretty bad right now as it is, um, but it's going to get worse, <laughs> I think. And, uh, well, but anyway, I just wanted to throw that at you. I just, no, no, no. Thank, you thanks for about bring, it before. Yeah, no. Thanks for bringing it to my attention. Interesting. All right, you take care. This, this is Gina Geraci. I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. If you'd like to join me on the program, happy to take your call. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Ed, welcome to the program. Hi, Gino. Hi. How you doing? <laughs> doing good. I, I, talking with Glenn, it made me think of all kinds of antediluvian kinds of stuff. But how can I help you? Well, uh, first of all, I wanted to say it was great to hear you speaking with Skip. I've been to his church when we've gone down. My wife and I have gone down to the Balloon Festival we use his teachings in our monthly Bible study, and he is a blessing. So thank you very much. He is a blessing, and I, of course, have known him since we were in high school. Oh, uh, wow. Um, well, thank you. I have a question. <laughs> um, I was in church yesterday, and the pastor was talking about um, – I'll give you some history here. I was raised Catholic, so uh-huh. um, I think, and I think you were too. So was Skip. Okay. All right. I didn't know that. Um, and, you know, I was always raised with the thought that I was I was saved. I was going to go to heaven because I was a Catholic. Um, then when I went to college, I became a Christian, um, accepted Jesus, was involved with Campus Crusade uh, for Christ and been involved with YWAM over the, you know, for many years, et cetera. And I, I lean more towards Arminian philosophy um, rather than um, my friend is to reform theology, Calvinism, Calvinism. And I just have never leaned towards that. But in the service yesterday, the pastor was talking about how we're chosen, um, God chooses us. And I know when I read in scriptures, God chose Abraham, he chose Moses, he chose Paul to do certain tasks and so forth. Um, but then I want to equate this with the verse in Revelations 3.20, how 
you know, it says, and I'm paraphrasing, you know, I, it's Jesus. I stand at the door and I knock, and he who opens the door and lets me in, I will come in and sup with him and he with me, and he who overcomes, um, as I have overcome, will be with the Father um, in, on the throne, in the throne for eternity. So I was just wondering how you can you just talk to me about how um, God chooses certain people for certain things, which again sounds more like the Reformed theology versus standing at the door and there's us, he asked us to open the door. He didn't burst the door down or he didn't go in and open it for me and then walk in. And just talk to me yeah. about that. I let's just, let's, yeah, let's just, just talk about that for just a second because obviously the concept of being chosen is a biblical concept in the sense of you're a chosen generation in First Peter 2.9. The Jews are a chosen people. Um, Paul is a chosen vessel. So to your point, in the, in the broadest sense, in the biggest sense possible, um, you might be talking about election. You know, um, so some people confuse being chosen and being elected or, or they con- conflate the two together. So to your point, um, are certain people chosen, like Paul as a chosen vessel, like Abraham, um, like the Jewish people? And so what I talk about is the Jewish people are chosen to bring forth the Messiah. Abraham is chosen to be the father of faith. But even in his choice, he there's an interesting relationship Um, The Bible says in Romans chapter 4, verse 1, that Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. So back to the election issue. Um, Our Calvinist friends believe that we're elected by God without regard to faith in Christ. But I think that the Bible teaches you are elected by God in accordance with faith in Christ. And, And so... Um, it, to me, this is is the only thing that, not the only thing, but the one of the things that removes the tension of, of both choosing and being chosen. And I'll use the illustration of, are you married? Yes. So, Ed, who chose who? Did you choose her or did she choose you? We chose each other. Uh, well, see, so that to me is kind of a mystery, isn't it? In what way did you choose each other? So, so in a, in a way, here, yeah, 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 someone, someone had to initiate the relationship, and then someone had to respond. You know, I'll I'll often ask a couple who liked who first. So who who did you who liked who first? Did she like you first, or did you like her first? I I think she liked me first. Okay, how did she let you know? Um, well, we worked on a project together. When this was back in college and for Campus Crusade. Uh-huh. Um, but somehow then, she uh, let you know. She volunteered and, to help me with the project. So somehow she let you know, and somehow you figured it out. Yes. Okay. God initiates our relationship. And But again, to me, 
God initiates the relationship and then you respond. So so the bio, so so that's the great big theological dilemma. The the theological dilemma is are you elected by God without regard to faith in Christ or are you elected by God in accordance with faith in Christ? My view is that we are elected by God in accordance with faith in Christ. So the, the so when you when you look at the election scriptures you in both Romans and in Ephesians you will um see that the the phrase that's used is in Christ so there's there's a view of what's called corporate election uh in what sense are the jewish people um elected and and i think that, that that that's the case does that mean that every jew is saved well no because remember in order to have a right relationship with god in christ you have to repent of your sin and believe that jesus is the messiah otherwise um you know Otherwise, the gospel itself becomes meaningless. But again, to our Arminian friends and our Calvinist friends, um, that's part of the dilemma. You know, in the, when you're talking about Calvinism, does God appear to offer salvation, or does God truly offer salvation? So remember, if you're a, if you're a hardcore Calvinist, you, you're saved or damned for all eternity because you're saved or damned for all eternity. I don't think that could possibly be true. And that's the way I feel. I just, I, uh, gosh, we're made in the image of God. We love our children. You don't love one. You hate the other. I just can't see that if we're made in his image that he's just going to discard people like that. So anyway, that's my feeling. So. Well, I hope that kind of helps. Yeah, it does. I appreciate that. Um, and I like what you said about that they had a faith in the beginning. Moses had faith. Abraham had faith. Uh, I guess Paul had faith in the Jewish, uh, what he thought was right. I'm not sure he had a faith right. in and, Jesus. And, right, but, but he, he isn't criticized for being a Jew or even being an observant Jew or for being a Pharisee. But but remember, it's on that Damascus, and he certainly is persecuting Christians, he doesn't go to Damascus in the hope of finding Jesus. Jesus finds him. But once Jesus finds him, remember, he says, Saul, Saul, why are you kicking against the goads or the pricks or, you know, the constant conviction? He goes, who are you? And he says, I'm Jesus, who you, whom you're persecuting. He doesn't say, uh, you're, you're persecuting Christians. He says, you're persecuting me. Which is kind of interesting. Thank you. Hey, thank yeah, you for well, thank your you, call. Thank you very much. Thank you, Gino. God bless. Bye-bye. This is Gino Geraci. Thanks so much for joining me. 303-873-1935. Hold on, Sean. I'll come right back to you. 303-873-1935. I'll be right back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program. 303-873-1935. Let's see who's up. Shauna, welcome to the program. Thank you so much for having me. Wanted to talk about Tim Ballard, 
but need to be real. You discuss something with a really intelligent gentleman, and I had never even heard the word before. Devolution? I don't. What was it? Devolution. Yeah. Okay. Well, never it, even heard that word. Gino. Well, the the word means uh, the tearing. I looked down it up, but it yeah. Okay, but it didn't. It wasn't. Oh, like how do I just approach you with my simple little conversation when you had someone that had such research and such depth when all I do, I care about depth, but then I wanted to talk to you about Tim Ballard, but through your program, you've told me about world religions over and over and over, and I've appreciated it 100%, and you always bring me back to the Bible. You always bring me back to Jesus. So the Tim Ballard thing is a topic of discussion, which is good. But there is hallelujah so, in my soul, and I just right. go, can we change, and can we as a the bride of Christ come and conquer the supernatural because if we pray right well not like that's a bad word but i don't know how else to explain it um we can bring down heavenly power to conquer the devil but we have to do it together well i don't know what you're talking about exactly when you say tim ballard um, are you talking about the guy? He's been who's... brought up on charges of sexual assault. Yeah, he is Operation the person. Under... Yeah, it's okay, but my brain only can go, okay, that's just information. My heart says Jesus is all that matters. So, right or wrong, because I can put that same, no, oh, I want to be smart, but I'm not smart, that same theology to politics, to government, to people, to but in the end, I have to go back to my heart, which I know is horrible. And then right. I have to go, Jesus is all that matters. So well, whether and, or not and, this is true, that's true. Where does it fall with Jesus and how can I best represent him? And how can I get everyone together so that we can conquer the supernatural and bring it down and squash them? We already know we have that power. Right. We know we have the power, but we don't. At the same time, it's confusing. Well, there's several things that you're talking about that's confusing. But so let's try and dial it back just okay, for a second. Okay. 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 Yes. Yes. Right. Yes. Yes. As so as so as we dial it back on Tim Ballard. Tim Ballard isn't a Christian. He is a Mormon. Now th that's not to say that Christians can't be guilty of sexual assault, um, or see people who claim to be. Christians. And the Mormon Church is what's coming against him. But for me, it's kind of neither here nor there. Well, I, I kind of want to look and, at and, it and, and, and go, he did the right thing, but he may have crossed lines. If he right. sexually assaulted someone, for me, this is just me. Just because I really understand that I think, I hope I have a relationship with you. And I'm not trying to be argumentative and combative. I just go, in the end, Jesus knows. If this man saved children, yay. Did his heart and mind get so affected by nonsense? I don't know. Well, and yeah, so and I, I don't, don't know. know. Any, There's so yeah, much I, I, don't I don't know. Right, right. So I don't know either. In other words, from my perspective, he's not a Christian. He has never been born again by the power he's of the Holy Mormon, Spirit. He's Mormon, correct. He's, he's a, a world human being. Religious, right. worldly religion. He, 
well, no, no, he's a human being who has a conservative political leaning that is informed by a Mormon worldview. Now, but to your other point um, about spiritual warfare, and again, what the Bible says, what the Bible says about the spiritual realm and about the spiritual battle and the spiritual powers. And and so obviously from a biblical standpoint, um, Jesus cast demons out of people in the New Testament. The Apostle Paul instructs Christians to war against sin in themselves in Romans chapter 6, but he, he also advises us to oppose the schemes of the devil in Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 18, which is the very uh, well-known passage of Scripture about the spiritual armor. So the Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. And the Bible says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so you can take your stand against um, the devil's schemes. Now, again, for different people, um, this is going to sound so simple, but I'm going to try and make it as simple as possible. Ready? Simple is good because I'm not smart. (laughs) Well, let, let and I don't believe that even for a minute. But that you're not smart. I don't. I don't believe that. So, but I do want to make it simple. So let's make it as simple as possible. Number one, people who don't have a right relationship with God in Christ are lost. Number two, they're subject to demonic influences. Okay, I'm going to suggest to you that some are more influenced than others. And I'm also going to suggest to you that some are actually possessed. Correct. People unsaved can be possessed. And then even political powers can be influenced even to the smallest person. Well, for people, people, whether Christian or non-Christian, who flirt with political power as a satisfying solution or substitute for Jesus, they're playing a dangerous game because political power is never going to be the answer to a spiritual vacuum. So remember for the Christian, we're declared righteous because of what Jesus has done for us. Correct. And so, so, we point people to Jesus. The Bible says, submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee. So the Bible uses the term, we resist. And so our ultimate example of resistance comes from Jesus. So remember, I'm going to make this as simple as possible. How does Jesus resist temptation and in 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 the wilderness in Matthew chapter four verses one through eleven, the way the word of Je- God. yeah that's exactly right. He doesn't he doesn't barf into buckets. He doesn't get chills <laughs> up and down his spine. The word of God is the most powerful weapon against the temptations of the devil. And remember what the psalmist said: "I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you." So 
the way that I think about this, the name of Jesus isn't a magic talisman or a magical incarnation. We don't chant the name because it causes demons to tremble. The sons of Sceva or Siva are an example in Acts chapter 19 where they're, where they're casting out demons and they were Jewish exorcists. And, and so it talks about how the itinerant Jewish exorcist undertook to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who had evil spirits. He says, I adjure you by the Jesus whom Paul proclaims and, and the seven sons of Sceva. By Paul Ju- proclaims, he should yeah. have proclaimed. And, and, and so the evil spirit says, Jesus I know and Paul I recognize, but who are you? It's, it's sort of like someone sends you an instant message, but they're not in your contact list, and they're, they're talking to you as if they know you. And you go, who are you? I don't know you. And so people who pretend to know Jesus and, and utilize him as a tool. Very godmother. <laughs> yeah, as a, they're in for trouble. But hey, oh, I got to go. Thank over. you so much, Gino. Ciao. Ciao. Ciao, Bella. <laughs> This is Gino Geraci. Thanks for joining me. 303-873-1935. I'll be back. Hey, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. This is Gino Geraci. So glad you could join me on the program, 303-873-1935. So, you know, um, there are a couple of really profound errors that take place when it comes to spiritual warfare. And it was C.S. Lewis who noted that the devil delights in two equal and opposite errors. Those who believe nothing about him and those who believe everything about him. In other words, those people who blame Satan for everything and those who don't even believe that he exists. And Lewis points out that he relishes both positions because it um, it makes it impossible, if you will, to deal with him according to the Bible. And so some people blame everything on the devil or demons, and some people completely ignore the devil and demons. But there really is a spiritual balance a biblical balance. By the way, if you want to join me on the program, it's 303-873-1935. As I pointed out, that Jesus sometimes casts demons out of people. Other times he heals people with no mention of the demonic. The Apostle Paul says Christians wage war against sin in themselves Galatians chapter 5, Romans chapter 6, and then warns us to oppose the schemes of the devil. And so some people have understood that that word scheme means strategies. Um, Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 12, as I sort of indicated earlier, says, finally, be strong in the Lord. And in his mighty power, put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle isn't against flesh and blood, 
but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So the text teaches some really important truths, crucial truths, that we stand strong in the Lord's power. It's God's armor that protects us. And our battle is ultimately against spiritual forces of evil in the world. I'm going to suggest that there is a sense in which that might be a corporate battle from a church standpoint and an individual battle from an individual standpoint. 303-873-1935. Let's see if we can slip another call in. 303-873-1935. Dan, welcome to the program. How are you? Good. Good. James 4.8, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Exactly. Cleanse your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. So when we are believers and we actually have Christ dwelling in us, Satan doesn't have any power over us, but we still have to battle the flesh. Exactly. So all Satan would have to do is just let our flesh take over. And if we're not submitting to the Holy Spirit, then then we're going to be fighting the flesh and not letting the Spirit guide us and lead our lives like we're and, supposed to let them do. And that is exactly right, Dan. That is exactly right. So imagine if if the the problem is Satan, then 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 there's a solution. If the problem is the flesh, there's a solution. As I'm fond of saying, Dan, we have three great enemies: the world, the flesh. And the devil. And we have three great champions the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit. The Father has overcome the world, Jesus has overcome the devil. The Holy Spirit has been imparted to us in order to overcome the flesh. So, so yeah, we have three great big problems. And we've got three great big solutions. <laughs> right. And that's and the double-mindedness is our, our spirit fighting against the flesh to where we're double-minded. So we know what we're supposed to do in the, in the spirit, but then our flesh wants to take over. So we become double-minded in that, oh, we, well, I want to go with the flesh, but the flesh never wins. And so, so many of us decide to go with the flesh instead of the spirit, and then we're defeated. And uh, I can't remember. It says that uh, casting down strongholds. I think that's in Corinthians. I can remember, and that's only through through Christ, through the Spirit, that we're able to do that. And those strongholds can be in the flesh that we have in our lives that we don't want to submit and surrender to God to let Him take care of the, those problems. So, um, right, you're you're referencing Second Corinthians chapter ten where it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds, casting down imaginations. So in that text, to to your point, that's exactly what Paul is saying. He, he He's saying, you know what, part of the warfare is in our own imagination. Every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, that's all of the vain, stupid, wicked 
things that claim to have knowledge of God and then bringing into captivity every thought to the obedience of Christ. So there's, so, you know, there's an invisible war happening inside of our brain as well. <laughs> and I think, is it first Peter five, six through 10, or is it second Peter uh, five, six through 10 that talks about the mighty, I think it's about the mighty works of God or something. I can't remember if it's first or second Peter, but it's five, six through 10. I don't have the Bible in front of me because I'm driving, but. Right. I'm trying to think, I think too. First, 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 I think it's first Peter five, six through 10 talks about our, our worry that we have going on with us. If I'm wrong. No, no. I, I think, I think you've hit the proverbial nail on the head. <laughs> And I, I'm thinking of Psalm 62, where it says, truly, he is my rock and my salvation. He is my fortress. I will never be shaken. In other words, we we have permission to say, no, I'm going to trust Jesus. I am going to I'm going to trust confidently in the Lord, my God. So, uh, again, he's a fortress. I, I get to retreat into him. You know, <laughs> Martin Luther famously said, when the devil knocks on the door, I send Jesus to go answer the door. <laughs> That's true. Because he's the only one who can uh, take care of him. <laughs> That's awesome. So just, just a couple thoughts that I thought I'd share with you. So, No, no, it's... it's uh, it's those are great. Hey, thank you for your call. You're welcome. 303-873-1935. That's the number. Well, I guess we've come to the end of our show, but hey, I'll be back tomorrow. It'll be tough question Tuesday tomorrow. And uh, you know, I've been sort of inspired by today's conversations. I might just talk a little bit about what do I do? What do I do? What do I do when I'm under spiritual attack. So, hey, the first thing to do, I'll just give you a little hint before tomorrow. The first thing to do is to determine if we are, in fact, under spiritual attack. Hey, thanks for joining me. Drive carefully out there. It's cold. This is Gino Geraci. Thanks so much. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.